There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Yeah! Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Tackle football time. In Tennessee time. I like covering a coach who is an adult time. The yellow legal pad is blank time, so hold on to your butts time. That is an excellent, excellent This podcast time. is going to go all over the place. It is. Fair warning. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Full crew in the house today, Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday, a warm, warm Thursday afternoon here in Knoxville. Probably going to release this on a Friday morning. The reason we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon is because a lot of Tennessee football people gave updates on Thursday afternoon. Head coach Jeremy Pruitt and several of his players were made available to us reporters, which obviously made their day probably their favorite part of the day. There was a lot to talk about. Tennessee had an open practice on, was it Sunday? Sunday? Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. And a lot we got to see a lot. It was not in... It was not a see a little, see a lot situation. It was see a lot, see a lot situation. It was. Now, there was no tackling because they were not in full pads, but they were in shells, and they were able to do some some contact stuff a little bit. We got to, got to see some stuff. It wasn't a dog and pony show. It was an actual football practice. So that part was nice. Actually got to see some stuff. A little bit of quarterbacks under center. A little bit of two backs in the backfield with a fullback. Saw some things, man, and some stuff. Some things, man. And it was really hot, and, and I got stuff. sunburned. Yeah. I got sunburned on my shin. That's not very comfortable. I said it that day, and I, and I meant it. I have caught doubleheaders in Mississippi in July and not smelled as bad as I smelled after that open pre- practice. You did, that smell, was, you did smell bad. It was, I mean, pungent. And I know... I put on deodorant that morning, like a lot of it. It's a formidable scent. Stings the nostrils. Stings the nostrils. I'm not going to lie to you, that smells like pure gasoline. It's made of bits of the real Panther. It's made of bits of real Wes, so you know it's good. It was uh, rank. Uh, sounds pretty gross, actually. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was pretty terrible. But we got to see a lot of that. Then Tennessee put on the actual football pads This one should be called on the Wednesday. We- this one should be called the West Stinks edition. Yeah, in more ways than one. More ways than one. Tennessee did get to put on some full pads in practice on Wednesday. Inclement weather forced the Vols inside Anderson Training Center, but you know that's why you build an indoor complex, so you can do those kinds of things. Saw lots of... Jeremy Pruitt says you're welcome, Georgia. Yeah, the Jeremy Pruitt indoor football facility down there in Athens from his from Pruitt's time down there. His, uh, what do you want to call it, controversial time, uh, clash of personalities time. Seems like it's just a normal time to me. He was a meanie time. Yeah, he was a meanie. He said some mean things. He got in people's faces. It was just rude. He was just rude. We got plenty to talk about, though, with this. And as as Pat alluded to a minute ago, there is um, 
no legal pad with an outline. So I can't make that crinkly noise. The yellow legal pad is empty because I said, guys, what do you want to pot about right now? And what the guy said was, uh, just, you know, football's started. Let's just talk about that. So well, you're this running, thing might go all over the place. You're running the point, so you, you have to make it up on the fly. Sometimes you have to call a play when there's only, like, 18 seconds left on the shot clock. I thrive in that is, situation. Then let's go. You're talking to the guy who did a radio show, and Swain used to get so mad at me because I would pull Went my car in the rails all the while time. the music was playing. I would hurry into the studio from practice and be like, so uh, who are we talking to today? I don't know. We'll get somebody here at some point. Hey, Swain, who are we going to talk to? And Swain's got like an entire outline where he's like meticulously planned it like a football player would. So he's a professional? Yeah, that's exactly what he is. So you're saying you came in late to something? No, no, no. Not late, right on time. I did come in mm-hmm. two minutes late mm-hmm. today, or Thursday I came in two minutes late. I got to call myself out on that one. That's a foul. Who was here first today? Uh, Ramey came here. Who's here second? Mm-hmm. Who was here second? Not you. I was here second. He pulled up first? We're talking about the uh, uh, press conference, I think is what, what Wes no, talking no, no. about. No, no, no. We're talking, I'm talking about right Both now. Both are professional things. Uh, four out of four members of the GoVols 24-7 staff were at Wes's, uh, at Fort Rucker uh, to podcast at the time that was set. So we were all on time today. Right. So no matter what Grant wants to say. Congrats, guys. Everyone was, no, was on time. There was no I, th- I think Grant went and got lunch and still got here Good before. Good job being an adult. So did I. I did not go get lunch and I got here on time because so I was Patrick's, working. So Patrick's starving. You need to feed him, Wes. No, I had a, I had a, I had a protein bar on the way over here. Well, you know what? Everyone starved for some football talk. But unlike Grant, I don't even lift, bro. Squeak toys. Squeak toys. Listen, people like to know about us, too. I, I don't think they do. Nobody but I cares I just, about us. I just gave you a great segue there. Take it I don't need it. I don't need your Shot advice. Shot just went off. I don't need anything from you. Already off the rails. That's true. You I don't. don't need anything from any of you people. But, guys, what do we think about camp to this point? We have not seen – now we've seen some quasi-football and some shells. We've seen a few periods of actual football. We've seen uh, a lot of new stuff offensively, defensively. We've now spoken with a good number of uh, – coaches with this Pruitt heard from a couple of coordinators early on uh, for the last time this yeah, year basically. for the last time until unless Tennessee goes to a, a you know the college football playoff or SEC championship game they'll be made available then but uh, let's be honest here the word we try to be realistic but what do we know about what we've seen and what we've heard to this point well before Ryan talks about everybody on the roster I'll pick out one hey. guy I'll pick out one guy that's sort of a, a story for me and I'm trying to remember when we did our preseason camp draft buzz snake draft uh who did who who picked Alante Taylor? Do we even remember? Probably me. Well, we know Ryan did, but probably me. Ryan no, Ryan here. Ryan wasn't. Oh, but Ryan, one, but so. Ryan would have picked. Ryan did him. it while he was listening. Um. So, but he, uh, man, that guy's just a good football player. I think he's. I think he's going to be a really nice player for Tennessee. And Pruitt's already trying to pump the brakes. Yes, pump the brakes because he knows what people saw in that open practice two interceptions two picks just all over the place making plays i think bryce thompson actually made the most impressive play that i saw during the day what's what's crazy i mean we're talking about bryce thompson and we we're, we've already gotten questions this week on facebook live about you know is it going to be elante taylor and bryce thompson at cornerback and the crazy thing is bryce thompson worked with like the threes during that open practice Sunday. yes he's he's not up there yet so he didn't get a spring like taylor did yeah yeah so he's still learning he's got a lot to learn i think you're going to see him play this year it's just a matter of in what role but yeah the, there are some newcomers that are pretty exciting on this team 
Now, at the same time, we also got a question yesterday that I don't think we got to on Facebook Live, which was, is this the best freshman class Tennessee's had in years? Whoa. I, Whoa. I think people might get the wrong idea Let's based hold on. on Alante Taylor and, uh, and Bryce Thompson and even throwing in some Juco well, guys the, like Dominic Wood Anderson. You know, there's some good newcomers on this team that are going to help, but there's no Derek Barnett in this class. Yeah. This is, uh, not this, that we know of. This is not a star studded freshman class overall, but uh, I would say there are some guys on this team that are definitely going to help. And I think Bryce Thompson and Elante Taylor are guys that might end up being multiple year starters by the time it's all said and done. And Taylor might end up starting as a freshman. It looks like, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but there are definitely some guys on this, uh, some newcomers on this team that were obviously drawn to newcomers the first week of camp. And there are some newcomers, yeah, new toys. They're definitely going to help this team. You know, even guys like Cedric Tillman, you know, looks like he's a potential role player for this team or, uh, a, a guy that, if needed, can step I in. I like and help him a them. lot yeah. as a prospect. So, so there are some there are some nice additions to this team, and they've done a good job of, I think, patching up the roster as as we've talked about. The, the, other, the other thing that jumped out to me, and this was mainly from Sunday because we actually got to see some uh, some of the sausage getting made, is some of the yikes. Let's keep this safe for family. Wasn't I'm trying to keep this professional until you took it unprofessional, Grant. So, good job there. Um, is seeing some of the, the looks and some of the lineups that they're going to have in some of these different defensive packages they're going to play, namely that Daniel Batuli goes from linebacker to a rush end in the dime situation. Yep. Uh, that's very interesting to me. There's, I feel like we kind of – I don't think we've talked about it this year, but we've, I think we've kind of talked about in the past maybe Batuli having some of those qualities. Yeah. Um, and I was looking uh, – I'm pro football focused. I think he had only – said he only had like seven pass rush naps last year. When he was playing, so uh, they didn't. The last staff didn't really ask him to do that very often. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if that's just something they're experimenting with, because I guess hypothetically they could probably put another outside linebacker there, a Congo or or Daryl Taylor, if you needed to. But mm-hmm. um, that's something that that Alabama's done in the past with some of their linebackers. I think maybe Dante yep. Hightower was they one have, of them. They have, and, and you know the, the, what? It maybe looks Rashawn Evans. I don't know. Yeah, he played so everywhere. He played everywhere. Bit, so. Um, it looks like Batuli's gonna be that every down guy, that every down linebacker that comes off the field. It looks like who is the other linebacker on the field is going to depend on the situation, whether it's Darren Kirkland or Corte Sapp. Yeah, I think that the guys, to, to, to me, that it looks like are going to play the most snaps probably, uh, and it's never really a defensive lineman because of all the – everybody tries to rotate all those guys. But it looks to me like Batuli and Warrior are the two who just probably will not leave the field if they're healthy. And then I think Sapp's going to be out there a good bit. Now that means are you having some situations where you rotate Kirk and – Sap or Kirkland and Sap, or are you trying to maybe try to find a way to have some packages out there that get both of them on the field? Because if you want to put your best 11 out there within reason with the matchup, I think there's going to be times where you're going to want all three of those guys on the field, well, I, if I, you can. I still, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think Batuli has established himself as, as this team's number one linebacker. Like Patrick, no question. He, like, he and Warrior are not leaving the field. Yeah, like Patrick was saying, he's he's shown he can be an every-down player. So I think that means Kirkland, by definition, almost has to rotate for Corte Sapp to play quite a bit. So. It, and I think that's going to be based on matchup mm-hmm. and situation because – Against uh, an Alabama, I, you might play yeah. Kirkland more. Kirkland, uh, he, he is moving around a lot better. And on Thursday, I think he declared it. I think he said, hey, I'm 110%. He looks, he looks fine moving around. But he still doesn't look like he's a guy I want out in space covering a Ty Chandler, if you will. He'll get more comfortable, um, I think, in time. True, and and, and and Prude has been really complimentary of him uh, the couple times he's been asked about him and, and uh, said Thursday that every day that, that Kirkland is out there, he's he's getting more confident and, and you know with himself and his knee. And obviously, I think Sapp's more of a rangy guy that you can probably play out in coverage a little bit more. So 
Uh, I think that's why. Uh, I think that's why in the dime stuff you saw Saf in there instead of Kirkland. And I'm wondering if uh, when they go nickel, if the guy next to Batuli, they're going to probably uh, almost have to say they're going to rotate there. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to want to take Taylor off the field a ton. No, they're on the outside, but if you want him and you know, I don't want to say it's him or Kongbo because you could, in theory, you know, you could move them around. You could put one on each side, but to me, it looks like. Taylor's a guy who might have an edge there at the moment. I just think he's a better player there. Uh, now, I could be wrong. He's I, the known I, commodity, I think, out of all those pass rushers. Now, the, the thing I, I was, I've always been super high on Taylor. I think the guy is yeah. really dynamic the, as a pass rusher. The thing I was going to say about this team that I kind of learned from Sunday, and, and it, like any scrimmage, you know, people always look at it. Is it because, do you look at it as this guy doing well or this guy struggling? One way or the other, I I was impressed by Tennessee's pass rush Sunday. I thought it looked better than I expected between Jonathan Kongbo and even Jordan Allen. A couple of those guys that looked better farther along than I thought they would be. But at the same time, I think part of the reason for that might have been Tennessee's offensive line still a little shaky with Trey Smith not out there. Marcus Tatum probably didn't have his best day, it seemed like, in the in the open practice. So how much of that is that group being better than expected and how much of that is Tennessee's offensive line still being very much a work in progress. So that, again, it's hard to learn sometimes from those practices and scrimmages, even when you do get to see them because you're playing against your own teammates and it's hard to tell, you know, what the reason for what you're seeing is. Outside of those, some of the more established positions where the uh, competition is open, like quarterback, uh, cornerback, some of the other places, I don't think we've learned much of anything of substance because I don't think this coaching staff has uh, decided anything of substance. I mean, that's what Pruitt, that's what stuck out when Pruitt kept getting asked about different positions. There's a, there's still a lot. Thursday of, was that he basically saying, wait till a scrimmage yeah, and kind of see what happens then because they haven't really had that opportunity to prove anything yet this, to this point. And there's still a lot of competition across the board, I would say. Even some of the positions where we feel like they're more established, like wide receiver. I think there's still a lot to be decided there because you, you know, we saw Josh Palmer working with the first team offense, and Jawan Jennings is still, you know, working with twos and threes a lot of times in that open practice because he's kind of coming off offseason knee surgery and not, not totally healthy yet, and kind of being managed a little bit. So you've got even some positions that look a little more stabilized. There's still some questions, and yeah, it is that part of camp where there's still a lot of competition. But like you said, Grant, that first scrimmage, I think after that is where you start to kind of see what you know about your team and go from there. Yeah, and as we're, as we're talking, they've had one pra- uh, one practice in Pats. Yeah. So it's it's a very long way to go. And uh, and all the stuff that, w- that we wrote about the open practice, it's like, okay, it's just one practice. We don't want to read too much into it. There's still three weeks left before they kind of get to game week. So, and we might have seen so someone, much stuff can change. And we might have seen someone on a bad day or someone on a really good day. That, yeah. even, even if someone looked really good like one of the quarterbacks, you can't read too much into it because small sample size. Yeah, I, I think that – you know, we have not seen a lot, but I think it's probably fair to say that we've seen more football than we've seen at this time of the year in the past few years. I think we've seen at least a little bit more. I think that's that's fair to say. And I, and I really like the timing of that open yeah. practice because you're not in full pad yet. You've got a month until the season starts, so you can try some things out there and have just a regular practice for the most part. But things could still change, and not everything that you're doing is out there. So – I think that's kudos to them. That was a really good idea to do it that way. I don't know if that was Pruitt's idea or one that they suggested to him, but either way, I think it worked out well. I think it gave – I think it was one of those situations where it got everyone what they wanted. 
Yeah, and I think the main takeaway from a setting like that isn't necessarily, oh, this guy is for sure going to be in this role because roles roles are going to change and, and adapt and guys are going to move up and down the pecking order at certain positions throughout the season. To me, those settings are, can a guy play or not? Or does a guy look like he can, you know, look like an SEC player? We've all covered Tennessee for a while. We've all seen uh, the caliber of player that, you know, it takes to be in this league to be good. And so mm-hmm. that's why guys like Elante Taylor, like Bryce Thompson, they stand out. That's why, uh, you know, we see Cedric Tillman making plays and things like that. And, you know, that's why we see where Keller Chris maybe doesn't have as strong as arm as Jared Garantano. You know, we see little things like that that we can pick up on that sort Despite of Despite being enormous. Yeah, and maybe it's a technique thing. I don't know. We see the, that the running backs that Ty Chandler is still the most explosive running back they have. Mm-hmm. But uh, also maybe not the early favorite for that starting no, job, which yeah, is interesting. It, yeah, and so he may be sort of the change of pace guy. But, we'll, you know, again, that's where you can't read too much into yeah. the roles in a, in a setting like that because it's just one practice over the course of maybe like 25. And it's not a scrimmage even though – you know, we, we say it, it's always funny to me that coaches say, oh, we got this big scrimmage, and then yet they scrimmage every day. They do 11-on-11 stuff every day. Correct. So it's kind of why do they put more stock in a quote-unquote scrimmage, I guess, because they're at the stadium? I don't know. I think that's just the day with fewer individual periods. Probably. Basically is the only difference. Mm-hmm. You go out and have one or two individual periods, and then you go straight into a scrimmage situation. And yeah, so it's, it's, it, it it's maybe, building it up, too, and seeing how players respond. And you might tackle a little bit more yeah. in and a you situation might do, like that. And I don't know if they do this or not, but you probably have the coaches on the sideline coaching like it's mm-hmm. maybe in the, in the box, signaling, maybe. signaling from the sideline, things like that. I wonder – we need to ask Pruitt if he's going to do one of those uh, beanie bowls or final walkthroughs or whatever there's people do. Please, please ask him if he's going to do a beanie bowl. Yes. What is that? What is that? <laughs> it's like – is that like – it's like the asparagus of football practice. We ain't doing that. I could see that. No, I, I think what's interested me too is, is being on the field a little bit more uh, this, this camp than we normally have been. You really get a sense for kind of how these guys are coached. And I really like – what I'm seeing there because you see the coaches get on these guys and they're firm with them, but if they do what they're supposed to do, they also get a lot of praise for that. These coaches are very – Praise and blame, it's all the same. Basically, I mean, they go after these guys. Throwback. And and it's like, you know, they don't yell just to yell. They yell to make a point. They yell to get your attention. And then when you do something right, they'll be like, boom, that's exactly what I wanted, just like that. And you can tell also that – you know, I think there was one, and we can say this because it was in the open practice, there was a time where Daniel Batuli during a special teams drill, which, again, he might never leave the field. He was on one of the special teams, and he didn't go to the right gap on a kick return or something. And Pruitt just kind of laughed and put his head down and was like, come on, Daniel, you're better. You know that. Come on. Whereas if that were a, like a freshman or a walk-on or somebody like that, somebody that's been inconsistent, uh, he might have torn them uh, a new backside. But because it was Batula, he just kind of, you know, was like, all right, come on, let's do that again. You can do better. And so he doesn't maybe treat everybody the same, but he's being fair to all the guys. And I just like that, you know, because you get this this sense that everyone from the Saban tree is kind of the same way. They just yell and they're just curmudgeons. And, you know, Pruitt, I'm not saying he's a lovable teddy bear, but when he's out there, he's not just yelling and spitting in people's faces all the time. He yeah. is out there coaching. They're teachers. Yes, and they are I, – I just – I like the way – a couple of them are more animated than others. Like Rumpf. I was about to say, like, there, there, are, there are multiple coaches on the staff friend. that are spitting in guys' faces, but they're also teaching while they're doing it. Yeah, usually the closer you get to the line of scrimmage, the more insane a coach is. Like a defensive line coach and or an offensive line coach, 
you have to be. They're all kind of cut from at, the same cloth. At least two thirds crazy. Motivating is a big part of the job. Yeah, just like every strength coach is kind of the same or with the same mentality or same kind of just vibe. Like you walk in, oh, there's the strength coach. You know, you can usually point that out pretty quickly. Uh, you can usually look at a staff and be like, that's the O line coach. That's the D line coach. And uh, Will Friend, you can see why he's been such a really good offensive line coach because he will tear you a new backside when you need it. And then when you give him what he wants, he, he gets excited about it. You know, you can, you can tell that guys are responding to that. And I think sometimes just hearing a new voice can do wonders for guys. You know, because if you hear the same thing over and over and over and over again, you're eventually going to start drowning it out. Well, I think that's – in talking to some of these players, something Drew Richmond said to me talking to him last week is that – Memphis. Well, yeah, we, we obviously connected on that basis. Um, but I asked him, you know, kind of how the offensive line was adjusting to the way that, that Will Friend is. And he's like, you know, sometimes they say you take on the personality of your coach, and if, if we do that, I think that's probably going to be a good thing. I think good players want to be coached. I think they want to be pushed. And um, maybe that's why, you know, there, there's been sort of this response. I think, again, we keep talking about how there's not been any guys leaving. I think they, a lot of guys on this team wanted to be given a chance, and they wanted to be coached. And I think they're definitely getting that with the staff. When it comes to Pruitt, I mean, the stuff that some of those Alabama defensive guys said when he left about how much they love the guy and they don't like UT, but they'd be following UT or, or whatever uh, and want him to do well, I don't think players go out of their way to say that stuff unless uh, you're a, very much a player's coach. And when you watch him on the practice field at Tennessee, I don't think he's trying to change anything from what he was as a defensive coordinator. If you weren't if you didn't know who you were looking for when you watched Tennessee practice, you wouldn't know who the head coach yeah, is. Yeah, you wouldn't. That's because he's just working with his position group and doing the stuff that I assume he's been doing for the last decade. And it, I don't think he wants to change himself that much. It's just a change in title, and obviously you add a ton more responsibilities. But uh, when it gets down to it, you got to be a football coach. That's why he every the couple times he's been asked about why he takes that approach, he's like, "Well, I'm a football coach. I'm gonna coach football. And if I couldn't, if they wouldn't let me coach position, I probably wouldn't be. <laughs> probably wouldn't be yeah. the head coach." So. Uh, and that, that takes me, Greg, you brought something up that, uh, that, that to, I took away from, from Darren Kirkland talking to him this, uh, on Thursday about his, his transfer. I, I asked him, you know, did he get a sales pitch from, from Jeremy Pruitt? Because obviously there was some persuasion going on there. And uh, Kirkland said, no, it wasn't a sales pitch. He was just supportive in my decision, whatever I wanted to do. And, and that, that, that's a big stark contrast because I feel like a lot of coaches would have been, you know, crawling on hands and knees to try to come up with a way to get Kirkland back because – He's a really good player, and just from the perception of, of a, losing a guy like him, I don't think would have been very, you know, there was a bit of a freak out when he announced that he was leaving. And so I think a lot of coaches yeah. would have, craw- you know, walked across hot coals to get, you know, to kind of come up with a pitch to get him back. And Kirkland was like, no, he he supported me. He was good with whatever I, whatever I, you know, wanted to do. And he's like that with, with every player on his team. And I think that probably played a, a, a role, maybe him deciding to come back. And we, we've heard of situations, too, with previous staffs where you're, it can get pretty contentious when a player is looking to leave, and, yeah. and you can come up with any, any reason imaginable to try to get a player to stay. So, yeah, that, that is a, a very stark contrast if that's how it went down. And, and that's, you know, again, that, that's kind of, you know, it was, it was just interesting to me that that's what, that what he said. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he seems transparent. I mean, there, there's times when he's not going to answer questions uh, because he doesn't want to give out that information, but there's never a time where uh, he comes across when he's talking like he's talking down to people. Or he's just yeah. he's just not being himself. He's not saying what's in his head. Yeah. If he doesn't want to answer a question, he says no. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's a one word response. There's just I think and and it's players appreciate that. I think he comes across as a human being. And, and I think you know, I think Kirkland and Kirkland's case, I think some fans were giving him heat when he initially announced he was leaving. He was like, oh, yeah. he doesn't want to compete with Batuli. Oh, he lost his spot, so he's leaving. And you know, we all I think we all kind of run on the assumption that the way Pruitt was, he was. Uh, you hear that you hear that he's that he's that is he's abrasive. That's you know sometimes a word that's thrown out about him by people that have worked mm-hmm. with him or whatever. I don't I don't know about the veracity of that, but you know that was a situation where he could have I don't want to say run a guy off, but we thought you know he we thought his personality would run a bunch of guys off this spring anyway, and that didn't happen. So I think that's interesting to kind of see uh, how that answer and, and maybe see some of these things how he's played out. Wes, wake up! I was making a GIF on my phone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we're doing a podcast uh, here. Let's try to be professional. I was letting y'all talk for a minute. Some people say I talk too much sometimes, so I was just sitting back and kind of letting y'all we talk knew, for a we bit. We knew this one would go off the rails. We didn't know it would be because you weren't paying attention. Um, we're talking they, football, right? <laughs> Tennessee football, to be more specific. No, but, I, before we get too far. No, we, I, I, I like the fact that you're seeing these coaches be – this sounds like when my wife asked me, are you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> this is how those answers start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just talked about uh, the kids. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, I'm the one sitting here being a professional. You're this, all the ones laughing. Po- Professionally po- making a GIF. This is the podcast where it's going to be, the title's going to be West Stinks and Stops Paying Attention. Um, I just sometimes need that, that for y'all to be able to, you know, ex- Exercise your muscles. Flex is, it a little I, bit. Is, Flex your vocal Michael muscles. Scott when he says, I, sometimes I start talking and I don't know where the sentence is going. And <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. I call, I call it an improvisation. I can see I can see when that happens with Wes, too. It's pretty fun to watch it come together. But yeah. um, See the wheels start turning? Before we get too far along in the podcast, I know we're running short on time here. but uh, we, we got all the time we need. We probably should address the quarterback competition and what we know about it so far. I don't know if it's much of a competition Zilch. right now. Um, I, it, I I do think after now, not at this point anyway. Yeah, I kind of thought going into camp that Jared Garantano was the favorite, probably not by a large margin, and I thought both probably would play this season in some form or fashion. After Sunday's open practice, I'm not saying anything's been decided, but I do think Garantano, until further notice, has to be viewed as the favorite for the job. He he took every first team rep. Yeah. They didn't they didn't give Chris an, an opportunity with first team at least that I saw. Um, on Sunday, and I think you know part of that is probably they just want to get guys equal reps. No, but same time you would have, you would have thought that even for uh, the purposes of being out in, in public and knowing that every yeah. play and every you know thing was going to be dissected so much that they might have given you know given Chris the chance with the first group. And that open practice was not choreographed in any way. We talked about this on Facebook Live. It was not a... No uh, bells, whistles. It was no production at all. It was just a practice, and fans got to see it. But what we did see that day... Now, I I think people maybe got a little bit confused if you didn't see the practice. I don't think Garantano lit it up by any means. And And honestly, neither quarterback did all that much down the field that was that impressive looking. It's just Garantano seemed to be in control, making decent decisions, didn't do... didn't make too many glaring mistakes throws a nice ball still, you know, all those things that he's always had going for himself. And it was more that Keller Chris didn't quite look like he was sharp that day. You know, he's, but he's still learning. It was practice three for him. So I I think anyone saying, like you said, Patrick yesterday, anyone kind of saying it's over is probably getting a little bit ahead of themselves. But 
I think Garantano showed enough that you'd say he's still the guy to beat. And I, I think think the team I, thinks he's the guy, yeah. too. And I wouldn't put any stock into Vegas saying that Chris is the betting no. favorite. Cause, but Vegas is out there to – what are the, what is Vegas out there to do? Make money. Make money, they're money, not, money, money. And they're betting on what we thought in the yeah, offseason, yeah. which is a fifth-year guy with starting experience at Stanford going to Tennessee. He's probably going there because he thinks he's going to start. But that's not necessarily. The Maybe Chris could play fullback if he doesn't win the starting job. How many big dude? Do you guys know how many guys have gotten their black helmet stripes off yet? Uh, I think the correct number to that is zero. Ha 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 ha. Well, I asked because uh, I just saw a, a tweet from Ohio State where one of their freshmen got their black stripes off, and I was having nostalgic. As thoughts. Butch Jones would say, "Hey, Urban Meyer does it too. We're not the only one." Hey, I thought they I thought they were starting a tradition with that. That tradition didn't last very long. <laughs> It was a it was a what a five year or four year tradition there at the University of Tennessee and it was the good old days right I like it no here's the point that I was gonna make a second here ago. we go <laughs> buckle up let me get my popcorn <laughs> you can see in the way Pruitt handled the Kirkland thing that what people mean when they say he's got kind of a he's aggressive but he's got kind of a take it or leave it mentality with things. He's not going to beg anyone to do anything. He's going to say, this is what we're doing. We're excited about it. We think this is where you fit in the plans. You're going to get the same shot to play as everybody else is. Let's go do this thing. And if you're on board with that, he's on board with you. But he's not going to sit there and try to sell you or convince you of something. He's going to sit there and say, this is what we're doing. It's going to be awesome. Come be a part of it. And you can see... How and I think Kirkland meant what he said, and he handled that whole thing really well. But but when he said he didn't really sell me on anything, he just told me uh, we're doing some cool things here and let's go give it a shot. So well, I think that that was cool. And I'll, I'll talk about the quarterbacks, but I wanted to mention that too. Oh no, that's that's all right. Uh, we I did want to point out, like um, we talked about with the quarterbacks, um, it, it's it's applied to every position. But Jeremy Pruitt uh, said this a few days ago that the the way they've approached it with the quarterbacks and really with everybody is. Telling players, you know, and kind of in regard to why no one's transferred on this team uh, during the offseason, that they've told players, you're going to decide who starts. You're going to decide who plays, not us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that message, first of all, and how it's framed is very is so different from what the players experienced with the last staff. I think that's what's been the breath of fresh air is they've made it seem like everything is completely up to the players. There's no favoritism. No predetermined starting starting lineup based on no politics. What the what the coaches decided in the off season, you know, there's nothing like that. Yeah, like you said, Grant, no politics. It's it's all based on what you do on the field, and that's such a refreshing thing for these players after after the, how the last half handled some things that they're loving that, even if they're running with the threes and fours right now. If you don't make stupid promises, you don't have to do stupid things. Well, that's 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 like the Alabama model is that they bring in these elite players every year and then these elite players know hey they got other elite guys in my class they're gonna bring more elite guys in the next couple of years so if i want to play i'm gonna have to earn it and i think that that sort of is the the mindset that kind of permeates the whole program and i before i think talk, any successful I, company is operating. i, I like will that. i will segue you to the quarterbacks west by having a brief shout out to jt shroud um that kid could throw the ball Really well sometimes, but there are other times where I don't know if he even knows like where it's going to go. All over the place. A little but. bit, little bit like a machine gun. It, he's got a powerful arm for a, for a kid that size, but um, yeah, he'll make a throw that was that that will just wow you, and then he'll make a throw where he overthrows a guy by ten yards. I'll say this: like, he's the exact 
thing I would have pictured if I hadn't seen this film coming out of high school and everything, too. He's exactly what I would have pictured if you'd said, show me a quarterback with NFL upside that has some people talking about his potential, but a guy that also threw 25 <laughs> interceptions as a high school senior. He's exactly what you would expect. Very talented. Looks like he has some upside there. Very interesting for the future. Not there yet. I, I think that, that you know the, the drill where the quarterbacks just throw the ball into the net from different parts? I think he might be able to spend a bird share year j- just doing that drill. You go out there, you just you, you, you throw the ball into that net there, 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 and there, and, you know, kind of like a spring training there with a Rick Wild thing, Vaughn, in Major League when they just put out the, the dummy there and they're like, just, just let's, see, let's see the control here. And then he takes the head off and you're like, oh, no, oh, no. It, you know, it, he, he does it. And, and some of y'all saw some – and y'all aren't the only ones who mentioned it, but y'all said that you, you saw him make some really nice throws. The poor kid, it seemed like every time I was looking his way in that open practice, I saw the, the – the, he had, he had you really, know, I saw a couple. I was like, "What is he? What? Who was? He? I, I couldn't even tell who he was throwing to." He had a he had a really bad pick that uh, he threw it right to Shy on the Bruza, who uh, was playing defense that day. Um, and just yeah, I mean, he yeah, it, it was a little. He got a little bit more erratic once you got uh, eleven on eleven. The on more there. people that you put on the field, the more. But but dangerous. you see, no, he he had one throw on a, uh, a wheel route. To a walk on, and he could not have best best route in football. He could not have thrown it any better had he gone over there and handed it to the guy. That's how good the throw was and tied coverage along the sideline. And then uh, that was that was an eye opener. But then the rest of the day was was not that good. But he's again a guy that's uh, somebody to keep an eye. And it was always going to be kind of worth monitoring him this preseason because he was going to get a lot of chance, uh, a lot of chances to kind of get his development going. I'm going to call it right now that Tennessee's got the uh, a couple of. Not really maybe pure fullbacks, but kind of those H-backs who play tight end and also go there at fullback, and now they're going a little bit under center. If they don't run at least like three play-action backside wheel routes to those H-backs, then they're just crazy. Because at some point with those guys back there, the Popes and, and the Blakeleys and those guys who can run a little bit, they can catch it, you give them the ball in a situation like that, you could have a big play. I, I, that – that play, the, the play best action. play. In, it's the best play in football. It almost never is stopped. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's, it's a great play. The play action pass to the fullback in the flat is usually an automatic, like eight to ten yards. Yes, and if you make it a wheel route where you're throwing it to him on the run a little bit, get the big guy ahead of steam. Big plays, big plays. Come on, Tyson Helton, let's do this. Hope you're listening to this podcast. Do we have He's any? Not. We have any breaking news? Uh, Sound effects. Basketball breaking news, not football. Everybody relax. Uh-oh. Tennessee playing Louisville in the preseason in IT. Ooh. Per John Rothstein. Is the Twitter machine. Is Rick, but never mind. Ooh. The Battle of the Ricks. Oh, wait, never mind. We do We do. If that had happened the right – if this – if Pearl had been fired from Tennessee, like, last year – and then the thing this, that happened in Louisville, is, and then they were playing each other. Okay. That would be an epic, epic probation ball. That would be <laughs> epic. Uh, we do have to throw in an obligatory mention just because we were asked it about seven times on Facebook Live on Wednesday. Um, He's not here. He's J- not here. J.J. Peterson has yet to arrive at Tennessee as of the recording of this podcast. It sounds like he won't be here this week based on everything we've continued to hear. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're wondering, it's it's still got to be at least a, some 
there, got, there has to be some concern over that, obviously. Once you get this far in, you're a week into camp now. He's still not here. It's not in any minute he could arrive kind of thing either. It, it might be at least next week before it happens. And that's, yeah, That once you're that far along, there's always the possibility he's not going to make it at all. And that's that's got to be a concern. Yeah, and, and, you know, people still talking about, you know, would he be able to start or this and that. I think now the question is plain and simple. Can you get him in? Worry about the rest later. Do whatever you got to do. You know what? If the kid has got to just do nothing but schoolwork or whatever, and and just you say, you know what? Don't even don't even practice. Just go get up every day. Go to a tutor for you, a few hours. You do what you got to do. You want to get him here and not have to re-recruit him out of junior college. That's that's yes. where you are now. Yes. Could he go to a prep school at this time, or what would they? That's the thing. Prep school is usually not an option these days. You either qualify or you don't. You know, prep school was more of a thing back when you had partial qualifiers, and now. Now you can sort of take partial qualifiers and have academic red shirts if you're if you're not you know uh, there there are certain situations where you can do that but usually you either qualify or you don't and if you don't qualify you've got to go to junior college and be able to graduate. What what if you go back and take a couple of classes that you need to take and then you come in like January? Is that possible? I I don't know that anybody's ever done that that yeah, I've heard of but it seems to me like if kids blue shirt and stuff maybe you could yeah you don't figure s- out a way to do that you don't see it often I guess I guess the argument against it would be that in a lot of player situations you might prefer to just go to junior college get it done that way because it might be easier than getting a certain grade or whatever it might whatever the situation might be and not wasting that year football wise not sitting out getting you know risking getting rusty because a lot of players have it in their minds they're going to go pro three years out of high school anyway and so yeah. there is some thought to just staying fresh in football and going junior college at that point yeah usually head coaches and again i'm i I'm not going to even pretend that I'm a recruiting expert, but I will say that only God's an expert, Wes. Usually, it's true. Good point, Charles Barkley. Uh, Ryan, Brown Ryan would there. argue that Ryan's an expert. Yeah, God, <laughs> God, and then Ryan is one B. But if there is, if you've got a coach, usually a college coach is going to know a D1 coach is going to know a couple guys that he can send a kid to this JUCO program, and there's a very likely chance that he'll get him back. You don't see a lot of those Emmett Gooden situations where guys kind of all over the place, and you, you do see that sometimes. But most head coaches, and I would guarantee you a guy with Pruitt's connections, he probably knows which JUCO he would try to send the kid to because he would probably get the kid back from that JUCO. Well, sure, and the relationship with Rush Probst, who's obviously going to be close to J.J. Peterson no matter what, you'd have a chance of, of getting him back, even if it came to that worst-case scenario. But, you know, again, like you said, they might have options beyond junior college, even if he can't get in this year in time for camp. But I, I don't think they're to that point yet. I think they're still pretty optimistic. It's just that once you get this far, you do have to ask, you know, is it going to happen at all? Now? Well, and the fall semester hadn't started yet. So, I mean, yeah. there's, there's – yeah, and, and there's – There's the drop ad yeah, there's date, the, too. Yeah, the drop ad date really is the last chance to enroll for the fall semester. And in theory, yeah, if you had the flexibility to wait, you could even try to enroll at mid-semester around, you know, there, there are some classes that are not full session, but that, that gets a little tricky. So I, I, I don't think – I don't, I don't think it's going to get to that point, though. I think we're going to know something this month at some point, and it'll be you know, likely by the end of August we'll, there will be some sort of definitive answer about J.J. Peterson's future. And I think we all need to take uh, on the – we need to do this on the checkerboard, and we need to do this on our, each of our personal Twitter accounts. We need to pin one tweet to the top of the page and one thing to the top of the board that is only an up-to-the-second jj peterson's it's like, update it's like you can go here any time of day and you can check on this it's like a did jj peterson get in yet.com and you can just go there and it's like or start his own twitter account is jj in yet 
and no, you can set it for text updates. Every now and then, no. I don't think you want to start a Twitter account and name that. <laughs> Something like Let's that. Let's say here instead of in. You know what? Can we be professionals here? I'm working over here. Can we be professionals? And I'm not working on a GIF. He's got you there. You don't even know what the GIF was of. It could have been a Tennessee thing. It's probably that, that dog you... Yeah. Dog. yeah, it is. Which is actually I a cat. See it. I think I see it right here. Which is actually Flop, a flopping cat. Flopping around on his computer screen. Yeah. The, the dog that is. He's a small dog, but he's got a he's he's got a big tough heart. He's a he's a mean guy. He's a mean guy. But I, all I'm saying is, I hate all of you. Good, good, <laughs> good point. First that's, off, that's the first thing you meant to say. I think the way all, you started that. Sentence. All of you, but I think there Except needs the listeners. I'm trying to help all of us here. If y'all would just shut up for a minute. Gladly. We could have a situation where we just have that you can go here and you can know if JJ Peterson is enrolled yet. And until then, you don't have to ask us ten times every hour, is JJ Peterson here yet? Well now it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of just jump the shark and it's just right. fun to ask. Is, or it's fun for us to be like, Nope, just he's it, not here. It nope. Did, it did come up legitimately six or seven times. This Facebook is like it's its own coaching search. Yeah. You know? And and you know what? I'm just gonna say for, for people out there, is it so tough? To look and see what questions have already been asked before so you ask if you another tune in one. At a different time, says yes. the guy who misses text messages all the time. <laughs> you did walk right into that one, Wes. I have a very specific set of skills, <laughs> very specific. And if you need me to do one of those things, it will be done at the highest of levels. If it is anything else, you're flipping a coin at best. At best. I appreciate your honesty. Just I applaud being honest you for about it. it. I applaud Is there you anything else about camp that we've seen to this point? Any players that have stood out? Anyone who you know what? It's like this is like the et cetera portion where it's yeah. like, is there something what, that you've seen in camp that we've not discussed here that you think the public needs to know? Well, I think the offensive line. We've seen kind of the the same group working together, um, but I think it's very much a TBD situation. Mm-hmm. Um, still got to figure out and, where Trey Smith is going. Yeah, that's the big thing. I, I still wonder if there's a situation where they're going to kick Drew Richmond over to the right tackle spot and, and play Trey at left tackle. I still think there's that that possibility is I out want, there. I after want Trey on the left side. I after, want Trey on the left yeah, side I somewhere. Agree. What it, we what we saw in the scrim or the open practice makes me think tackle is where they need him because the tackles is that's right where tackle they, especially. Yeah, that's where they had the biggest issue. They got to get right tackle addressed. And, and two other things on the offensive line. One, uh, I did I. We talked a couple weeks ago, I think, and said that Riley Locklear was going to be a factor. I did not think he would be with the first group as he is. Wes, put your hand down. You did not know. Go back and listen to podcasts. I said we're not talking enough about Riley Locklear. Well, I, said not the same, I said it. I said it. I said it. I said it. That pro football focus grade that he saw. That's this not the season. same thing. I said it. It's not the same thing. We're um, all very proud of you. And, and the other thing is Chance Hall, I think, is still – he still being, seems like a good ways away. Being managed, he still seems like a good. People are talking like he's going to be ready to go for West Virginia. I don't. I don't even. I just don't see that happening. Him, right now. him being out there on day one, I think, led to some. And, and Pruitt saying, "Oh, he's been cleared. He's fine." Yeah, he's. We've seen. They're, they're taking it very cautiously with him as they need to. And maybe, um, we don't and know. I, maybe he's had some reaction to and, going and, through. And practices. they just. And, and I think it's it's one of the situations where it, I don't. I don't. You don't need to be count. You don't need to be counting on him right now. Uh, I think that's still we're still not to that stage yet. My guess right now is he's not in the starting lineup for the opener. Oh no! I mean I, that's that's where not we even, are. But no, I, he's kind of. I'd like to see him on the practice field. Right. <laughs> to, 
tonight before. And there's still time, but I'm just yeah. That's, that's kind of where it is. How, how about how about Ryan? How about Grant? Y'all got any uh, any any one thing that yeah. you really need to to tell the peoples? I would throw in that Kenneth George Jr. is probably worth some discussion at cornerback. We've seen Tennessee getting him a good a good bit of work with yeah. the, with the first and second has, team units during, during that open practice Sunday. I think they're taking a serious look at him. He's farther along, frankly, than I thought he would be. I, I thought he was a guy who might be more of a factor a few games into the season, at least, because he's he's still sort of raw for a JUCO guy. He didn't play a lot in junior college. He only he was a walk-on uh, at, at his JUCO when he first got what there. What a heck of a story that could yeah. be. So a guy who didn't even really play that much in high school, and, uh, and not because he wasn't on the team, because he just wasn't valued that much by his high school coaching staff. And then he grew a lot once he got to junior college. He gained 50 pounds or so his first year at his junior college because he was just a, a, a shrimp, basically, when he got there. So really interesting player, but because of that, you wonder, is he raw, so raw that they can't really count him this year? But he's seriously in the mix at corner, and I think based on what we've seen so far, he's probably going to help them at some point. He just year. said the he, word raw more than ODB even ever he, said. He went, from, he went from Ryan Callahan to Grant Ramey in terms of physique. He I, don't know what, I don't know what that, that – if that got some dairy antler sprayed on at that Juco. Poor or, kid, if that's the case. What, R- what Ryan, Ryan describing somebody as a shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was willing to let it slide, but then he kept saying raw like uh, well, he was like, like old dirty bastard. He was used over to. Here flexing <laughs> while he said it too. He was like five like eight. it raw. He was like five eight as a high school senior though, and now he's five eleven or six feet. So there's that too. We've get, talked about get, him. But give him water and they keep growing. We've talked about him, but I don't know how Cedric Tillman flew under the radar as much as he yeah. did. I know he. I think he had an injury, and uh, I think Ryan. He told you in a story you wrote back in the off season that he like grew three inches and gained like thirty pounds between yeah. his junior and senior seasons. So. He, hey, shout I, out to Clay Helton on that one. That's where Tennessee remembered the Tyson yeah. Helton connection to Clay Helton is how yeah. Tennessee found him. And Clay Helton said, hey, this is a guy. i got no room for you. Is, uh, the, the story he told was that he, uh, Clay Helton went to his high school. and, and which, late, which produced like eight other Division I yeah. Power 5 conference players. And it's in USC's you know, backyard kind of you know, four, four hours or so away from, from L.A. And so he, he goes over there, stops at the school, and says, hey – I've got no spot for you in my class, but I think you're good enough to play somewhere. And he also, calls up Tyson Helton, and the, the rest is history. Also, shout out to Jordan Young, who I don't know if Tillman would be a factor if Young hadn't flipped from. Great point. Uh, flipped to Florida State after Tennessee dug him out of <laughs> the rough. Wouldn't it be something if Cedric Tillman ends up being a better college player than Jordan Young? <laughs> Funny how things work out that way sometimes. Grant, you got anything to add? JJ Peterson not here yet. <laughs> Just need to reinforce. What? What? As are, of two forty-four. Eastern Standard Time. What do you even do here? August 9th. He lifts, bro. He does that. We, we also have seen some experimenting on the defensive line. I don't think that group is nearly settled. Hey, I think we saw going into camp. This is my segment. He's not here yet. <laughs> okay, go. We've established that. We're good. Um, but yeah, the hey, de- hey, Grant, is he here yet? Uh, no. Okay. I thought you were about to just take his point. Hang on, let me yeah. Google it. No. But, uh, but yeah, Patrick, you had in our observations, uh, I believe, after Wednesday's practice that Tennessee experimented a little bit with some guys on the defensive line. So that, that group's not quite settled. I wouldn't just pencil in Kyle Phillips, Shai Tuttle, Alexis Johnson as your starters there. They, they've got some other options, but not, you know, not, not too many, but enough to keep moving some guys around. I'd still be surprised if that's not the main three most of the time. Yeah. But, I think that's but they, are, they are tinkering. And uh, the one thing I will add to this before we get out of here is that – It's your popcorn. Is that I hate you all is what Wes was going to say. I hate all of you. That's the first thing. Uh, the one thing, but but seriously, the one thing I'll say is that I don't think anyone needs to be freaking out about Jawan Jennings not just dominating right now because if you'll go back and, and remember that Pruitt said, 
going into camp and going into the summer, we have a plan for him. We're going to manage him. We're going to get him right when we need him right, basically. And so the fact that he maybe has been running out there not 100% and there's been some days where he hasn't done much, I would not put too much stock into that yet. I think – I mean, I think enough of Juwan Jennings as a competitor that I think when the lights come on, he'll be ready to play. Just He'll just find a way to be ready to play. But this is part of the plan. They're easing him back in with that knee. It wasn't that long ago that that, that he hurt it. So uh, I think people should just relax on that. But I will say there have been an alarming number of balls on the ground in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And you do see that sometimes early in camp because the defense will play better than an offense. And, you know, they're putting him through a lot of one-on-one situations. And, you know, the but there's also just some routes on air that, there's just too many balls hitting the ground, and, and I think there's too many catchable passes that are not being caught right now. And it's tough because we see a lot of throws in a practice. So there are going to be some balls on the ground. The, the counterpoint to that but, is we don't, we don't see what they're doing in team stuff. So maybe it's better there, but also if it turns out that these receivers aren't very good and can't catch passes and have struggles with drops throughout the year, well, we know why. Yeah, and also that would make me change my – potential season projection because I actually was pretty high on that group coming into camp and I think that it's early there's a lot of time here but when you're seeing even guys like Callaway and Brandon Johnson occasionally just dropping a ball if they have no business dropping you're like uh, no no y'all aren't supposed to do that so, so, you're supposed to let the let the younger guys do that so Wes is going to go from 10 wins to nine yep it's worried about the receiver. Um, yeah, I will. I will throw in. I'll be. I'll be like those people, the fans in the stands who were sitting next to me at the open practice, who just as the season progressed, they were, or as the camp and, and the practice kept going, they just were talking themselves into a bigger and better season for the Vols, and they were also by the end of it, basically saying that Dylan Bates was just a dynamic player, and they couldn't figure out why Tennessee hadn't gotten him out there yet. And it's one of those conversations where you're hearing people in the stands have it. And you have this natural reaction to turn around and say, none of that is true, none of that is true. Shut your mouth, none of that is true. <laughs> but you have to just focus on the, on the task at hand. And you can't turn around and go, everything you're saying is wrong. But I, I let it go because I'm a professional. You are. Um, I would also throw in, since, you, since we're throwing – This is the part where Ryan is talking about every part of the roster. Yeah. yeah. I'll take numbers one through 99. But we're talking about pass catchers, and, and it came to mind. I think Jordan Murphy has quietly had a pretty decent mm-hmm. camp so far. I think he has. He, he's getting some work on punt return, too, so you may see in there. Uh, just like Theo Jackson looks good there, too. Yeah. But just like we did in the spring game, he's getting some work there. And then, and then I think he's looked pretty good at receiver, too. So not a guy who's likely to start, but I think he's a guy who's shown he can help this team. And then – uh, we we got to mention. I think Dominic Wood Anderson had a really good open practice Sunday, and and I think looks like real kinda, deal. Yeah, looks like the real deal. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to catch a thousand yards worth of passes this year. Let's you heard see. it here, folks. <laughs> I got. I, I got. I just said he's going to win the Heisman. I got to be convinced. End ever. I got to be convinced that Tennessee's going to get a thousand passing yards yeah, before yeah, I yeah. say that a receiver yeah, does. But no one should. No one should. You know, start assuming he's first team All SEC. But he's good enough to be one of the best weapons this team has in the passing game. He looks like the safest. He and Brandon Kennedy to me look like the safest of the plug-and-play transfer guys yeah. that they brought in. I agree. I well, think that's Emmett, fair. Emmett Gooden, too, to some degree. Yeah. I think that's fair. You want me to start listing some guys that I think have stood out? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Marquez Cowley. Number one, Jonathan Combo. Number two, Jared Grantano. Number two, Sha Tuttle. Number three, Ty Chandler. Number three, Marco Osborne. Number four, Malik Gray. Number four, Bart Harris. Who's that? Number five, He's doing Josh great. Palmer. He's doing great. <laughs> number five, Kyle Phillips. Yeah, I'll pick it up next week. We'll, we'll get you the rest of Grant's list next week. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with 
at least one, maybe more podcasts. We'll see how the week unfolds time-wise, but we'll definitely have our Friday morning one to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for some of y'all coming up and saying what's up during the open practice. It was good to talk to some of y'all, even though some of y'all were saying some things that were crazy. Most of y'all were were not being crazy, so thank you for that. Uh, A couple things before we get out of here. Grant, is J.J. Peterson in? Uh, Not yet. Pat, any final thoughts? No.